Squares Fielder. He's gone to the dogs. Friends, welcome once again to the Gone to the Dogs podcast. It sure is my pleasure today to introduce to you one of my longtime friends. We're going to bring him to the microphone here in just a minute. Uh, As I'm coming to you this morning, uh, on a Monday morning, this is Autumn Oaks Week. Man, oh man, this is like the event where history is made. I thought of that, (laughs) I'll brag a little bit, when I was at UKC, I thought, man, so much history, so many great dogs have come through uh, these gates at the fairgrounds, and uh, and uh, their pictures taken, and their names gone down in history. And in fact, our guest today was one of those guys who was uh, his dog was named National Grand Night Champion at Autumn Oaks. But uh, this is the big week uh, at the Wayne County Fairgrounds in Richmond, Indiana, uh, be on September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Uh, Then they have their award ceremony on Sunday morning, the 4th. I do plan to be there. My old buddy Nubbin Moore from Alabama will be with me. Uh, We'll be kind of sharing our time between the American Cooner booth in the vendor's barn and over at the new media layout that the UKC has. I I can't tell you too much about that because I don't know exactly what they have planned, but I know that they do have special space allotted for the podcasters. So we'll be there with the Gone to the Dogs podcast and uh, just really hope that you'll come by, howdy and shake a little bit with us, and let's catch up on old times. I will do my uh, weekly chore of uh, paying the bills, and that's through WHuntingSupply.com. That provides the platform for me to come to you each week on this podcast. If you need anything involving your hounds or hunting, supplies, and especially the electronics involved that we depend on so much today, uh, remember these good folks out there, buddy, and Jason, and all the people at dusupply.com. All right, it's the time that I've been waiting for here uh, to introduce to you a friend of mine that, man, we go back a long time, John Sturgill from Midway, West Virginia. How in the world are you doing, John? Buddy, I'm doing great. Healthy and healthy as ever and able to walk good, feeling fine, Steve. Well, John, that's super. I know that uh, you, uh, you're kind of like the bionic man now. You've been through some surgeries and all, but let's, let's back up just a little bit leading up to that. I want to get just a little bit of background for those people. I know anybody that hunts a plot dog in the last <laughs> four or five decades remember the name John Sturgill, and, and of course, I usually associate you with the dog that you had a few, back there named Timberline Tack, and we're going to talk a lot about Tack and his offspring and so forth. But uh, uh, tell me where you were born, your age, your children's names. I I will express publicly, John, uh, my uh, sympathies. I know that you lost your wife, Diane, here within the last year or so. But just tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, you and your background there in West Virginia. Okay, I, I came from a coal coal country, and my family was all coal miners. And uh, I was born at Slab Fork, 
West Virginia, and that's nothing but just an old coal camp. Just about flatted to the ground now, but I was born August the 28th, 1949, and uh, I married and lost my wife, but she's a great woman. Diane, Diane was her name. Yes, she was. Uh, I, had, I had three three kids, John Jr., Mike, and Missy, and they're all healthy and doing well, but uh, they've all lived through uh, a working dad that coon hunted every, every time he could, so everything went well. Well, you uh, you're, do you have some grandchildren? Oh gosh, I've uh, I've got uh, my son John's got two kids. Mark's got one, and my daughter Melissa, she's got two daughters. I have only one grandson, uh, <laughs> Colt's his name, and I've got one great granddaughter, Isabel. Oh, and she that's she awesome. is uh, she's my new life. The time oh. I get her to run and tree, and she, I'll be old. <laughs> <laughs> well, how old are? Well, you said you were born in. In 49? 49, yes, uh -huh. sir. I'll be 73, August the 28th. Well, that puts you about three years younger than me. I always knew you were a young buck, and trying to keep up with you back there in those hills on a night hunt or something was. Well, well so you could you could get through the woods, couldn't you? <laughs> Steve, I still can. I've been blessed. I've had two knees completely changed out, two hips completely changed out. I hunted all three nights at plot days. They never waited on me nary time. I can <laughs> run with the big boys still yet. <laughs> well, that's amazing, John. And uh, I know that uh, you worked in the coal mines yourself, didn't you? What, oh, what, yeah. Give me a little of your history. In, well, I was, uh, I was a welder mainly, and I, I was on electrical force. I, I was a card-carrying electrician, but my main function in the mines was a heavy-duty welder. I was real good at welding. Uh, but I worked uh, 34 years, a little more than that, and uh, I come out. I don't have black lung, but I contribute that to non-smoking, outrunning hound dogs. Kept my lungs working all the time, and, and I was blessed with that, and I still have good lungs. Well, that's awesome. It really is because we know a lot of people in our back home because you, the little town of Midway there where you live outside of Sofia, kind of between Sofia and Cold City, isn't it? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, and, and I lived in Beckley, which we weren't all that far apart. So crows fly. Crow flies, oh, no. it couldn't have been more than 10 or 15 miles at the most, I would think. I'd say not even that not, far. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but we knew a lot of people, or I did, you know, that worked in the coal mines. My grandfather on my mother's side was a coal miner. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I've told my listeners many times he was one of those. He never owned up to it, but I, I chased it down uh, once we got this Internet thing that he was – uh, come from the same descendants as old Devil Ants Hatfield <laughs> down right, there. And probably so, so. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so uh, that's all part of the culture there where you live, but to be able to uh, to spend that many years in the mines and not have any side effects and not have any serious injuries or so forth. Did you ever get injured? And in the mind. Oh, I've been I've been hurt several times, but nothing major. You know, a few broke bones here and there, but uh, nothing that couldn't be mended. <laughs> you guys are tough, I tell you what, man. The people in that part of the country. All right, well, okay. You mentioned uh, that you attributed coon hunting to uh, your health and longevity, and uh, and all. Do you remember when you first started coon hunting? Yes. Uh, when I was big enough to keep up with, with my granddad and 
those that coon hunted. Uh, my dad would take me to people's house to go hunting when I was 10 or 11 years old. But your uh, dad didn't hunt himself? Uh, he hunted, He he hunted, but he wasn't a coon hunter. I got my coon hunter from my uncle and my grandfather on my mother's side. They was uh, they was the coon hunters. I, I picked that up from Uncle Freeman and his dad, Waldo Brammer. That's where I right. got my love of dogs from, that end of, the, end of my family. Were they from that same part of West Virginia? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they uh, – Waldo lived right here. The next house where I'm living now, my grandfather, I built – well, I built my house on his property. I and, see. Uh, Freeman, he moved as soon as he got out of the military to Delaware to work in the uh, auto industry, General Motors, and he lived up there until he retired and then come back home. Well, I I remember Freeman very, very well, and what a great guy he was. I always enjoyed talking to him and uh, spending the time with him. And and when we get to uh, talking about TAC, we're going to see his name on TAC's papers uh, as Freeman's uh, Timberline TAC, correct? Yeah, now while while he was working, my other Uncle Dean, Uncle Dean – Dean Brammer, he was uh he's a great man too. He he coon hunted, but he never went to the hunts and stuff. He and I now we coon hunted, the old timey coon hunt. We went to the gun, shot him out and trained dogs and coon hunted. Now Freeman's more or less into the night hunt part of it. You know, he's into the glamour of it, the winning the trophies and stuff. <laughs> now me and Dean, we was the we were the coon hunters. Right. Well, folks out there that are listening, if you could have met these guys back in the day. Uh, Dean and Freeman and, and of course, John and and all. It was uh, a great time uh, for me. I'd come back from the service. Uh, this was in uh, the early 70s, I believe, wasn't yeah. it, John? Yeah. And, yes, sir. Yeah. And uh, always a lot of fun, always uh, uh, good to see these guys and and it's just it's great for me to just sit here with you today, John, and to talk about them and to bring back the memories of those fellas. And I have one picture, and I I think several people have probably claimed it around on the internet that I took of you and Freeman and Dean of TAC, uh, old TAC and TAC two and TAC three. That is one of my favorite pictures that I've taken down through the years. And uh, wow, that was that was a great time. Well, I want to talk about that, but what about some of the early memories you have of coon hunting? Uh, what what kind of dogs did were you hunting when you first started? Uh, I had a gray plot dog. I called him Rusty, and he looked exactly like old Bayou Shorty. He was saddleback. He could have passed as Bayou Shorty's brother, but now he was great. He was a great dog, but he was probably the best dog I ever owned. Wow, uh, he was yeah. he was uh, he could tree a coon. He's the one to train tack, but now he was absolutely I, right. Now, if I had to pick the best, it'd be him, and old tack would be the next. I got but, you. Uh, now, where did you get Rusty? Where did he come from? He was a trade up dog that nobody even knowed what he came from or nothing. I got him off of a, a chicken fighter at fought chickens and. Uh, and he was, he was, well, he was mine till I lost him. I hunted him about eight years and he was real good. And then we picked up Tack, which come from Wayne Jefferson's place. You know that. Oh, yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. from then on, it was uh, UKC registered or nothing from that day on. 
Ah, I got you. So you got to be a plot, uh, plot man pretty early in the game then. Uh, yeah. yeah. My best dog was Rusty, and that kind of imprinted that. That brindle hair is hard to breed out of a man. <laughs> it, it sticks quick, well, you know. Well, I understand what you're saying. And my, I think my dad got infected with that back in 1954 when he went bear hunt. Well, actually went coon hunting the Williams River with a guy named Opal Bennett from out at Crow, West Virginia. And dad was hunting an old gray, black, and tan. I've told this story many times, and I won't labor that. But but those uh, Opal had a couple plot females, and they ran that bear, and that that ruined my dad from that day oh. on. He was, he was done. He was a he was a plot man for life. So I those oh yeah, brindle dogs have a kind of way of doing that to a man, don't they? Out of every breed they are, there's no other breed that can stand with the plot. There, once you own a good plot dog. You could get the world champion this year, and you he wouldn't suit you. They, they're just something about a plot dog, his mannerism towards you, his obedience. And you can look in their eyes and tell they really like you. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're just a special breed of dog, the plot dog is. Well, they are, and I try to explain that to people. And uh, I was just on the phone before we uh, – uh, we hooked up here today, John, at, with uh, my buddy Mark Miller down in North Carolina, and he's a walker man. I mean, he's he's had walkers uh, for a good long time and had some real good ones, and uh, he uh, wanted to try a plot. So he and I have gone in partnership uh, on a, a young dog out of Bill Scheninger's Lazarus dog, that uh, and I think Mark is learning some of what you're talking about there because he really likes this young plot dog and uh, enjoys hunting him and talks about how smart he is and all. I know that everybody out there that has a favorite breed, whether it's blue tick, black and tan, red bone, English, that they love their breed and there's something about that breed that just kind of clicks with them. But, man, I think the plot people um, have kind of a special relationship with their dogs. I think it's what you, you're, you've expressed here. Uh, I know it's been that way for me, too, all my life long. When Dad brought home that first registered plot from Opal Bennett, he bought one of those females that ran that bear, actually traded a rifle for her, and <laughs> I saw that dog. I'd never seen one, you know. And she was about coal black. She had a gray mouth. She had a few brindle hairs down by her feet, you know. But I just, man, it just transformed me <laughs> right there. <Yeah. laughs> well, that's terrific. Okay. So anybody out there that knows John Sturgill knows that he had a dog that everybody across the country at one time or the other heard the name of and it's talked about and that's the dog named Timberline Tack. Tell me how Tack came into your life and and uh, and that story as much as you can, John. Well, Tack, he came here. Uh, a friend of mine named Carlos Howerton. We was uh, we look at these coon books and dream about dogs, and uh, we read this ad. Wayne Jeffers, probably one of the first he put in there, the little corner in the in the full cry book, had the pups for sale and stuff. So we call Wayne up and uh, order this pup. And uh, at that time, 
Wayne's delivery service was his tractor trailer brother drove a tractor trailer and sometimes he'd put a, a pup in a peach crate <laughs> on a load of lumber and send it out send it out like that. That was his that's how he distributed his dogs. But anyway, Timberline Express. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, his brother brought the pups in a pup crate. But anyway, uh we got old Tack here and he he uh started super young. There's an old road uh an old dirt road people throw trash on, they drop cats and stuff out there. So we started tack on uh, cats, and man, he just run them, trimmed to beat the band. And uh, now Carlos really, really ordered tack. I had the great dog named Rusty, all right. And uh, after I seen what tack done, it was my life ambition to get that little dog. So I outswindled Carlos out of that dog and got him. <laughs> no, and uh, yeah, from then on, he was he was here. Well. I love my Uncle Freeman, and he wanted a dog, and I had tack trained, and uh, I had dogs, so I let him have him. And uh, he took him to Delaware, and he hunted him, uh, coon hunted him. Well, he put the fur in his mouth. I'd get him back in the spring. Well, he was ours, both of us. I'd get him back in the spring, and i started putting him in the night hunts, and he he excelled real well. He done he just done good. He He's the type of dog you can hunt with anything, mean dogs. It didn't matter. If they was fighting off a tree, he'd back up 10 foot and go around and around the tree. All, 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 all. They couldn't catch him, but he wouldn't leave. Uh, same dog every night. Good cold nose. Took his tracks as they came. Cold or hot, it didn't matter. Uh, a wonderful hound. And he won about wherever I put him. He could win in any terrain. Well, I remember you made a big splash down at Southeastern Walker Days with him, didn't you? Yeah, he won uh, opposite sex high school and male at Southeastern Walker days. I don't think he was but two plots in the whole hunt then. That was way back there, and plot dogs, it wasn't, they wasn't hunted that much hardly. But he you got to think won... that there was an awful lot of Walker dogs at that hunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was several Walker dogs. <laughs> but he, he could hold his own with any of them. Uh, and he, he'd done good at plot days. He won the Isaiah Kid Award once, and uh, he won – Back-to-back night champions, Friday night and Saturday night one time. He he done he done real good. Old Tack, he was a he was a winner. He qualified for World Hunt AKC, placed top ten in Grand American, and a, and he won a UKC qualifier, one of the first ones they come out. Uh, qualified him. I never did take him to the World Hunt, but I wished I had him right now. I would take him. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, everybody in. Uh, our part of the country there knew he was a coon dog, and uh, if they drew you, they knew <laughs> by the time that cast was over just how much coon dog he was. Uh, you've always been kind of a like to have fun, John. And oh yeah, <laughs> there's a lot, of, a lot of stories about some of the jokes you played on people, like trying to act like Tack was following you through the woods and. And and he'd be in there probably a half mile somewhere and get struck and things like that. Do you remember any oh, of those yeah. stories? Oh, I've done that several times. <laughs> <laughs> I'd act like he's, he's embarrassing me. He'd act like I throw a rock in the bush. Get out of here, Tack. When the judge wasn't looking, them other guys just look at you like you're crazy, and they'd look for that dog, and he wasn't there, you know. And then all at once, about a half mile, like you say, in there, oh, I'd strike that. <laughs> But it was it was all in fun. It's uh, yeah. The money the money in the hunts kind of took the fun out of it, and the sportsmanship uh, to me. 
that's just my opinion. Uh, <laughs> that that kind of ruins you, buddy, buddy, coon hunting, you know. Well, back and, in the day, you know, at our club, I think when you came along and all, we'd kind of already got started maybe having a few night hunts and stuff. But, uh, you know, back in the day when I was a kid growing up, our club was out at Stanford at the Union Hall out there. And yeah. we didn't have any night hunts, really. Uh, we'd occasionally have a buddy hunt. You know, I remember uh, at one of the very first buddy hunts we had, the Dickens boys from down uh, around Whitesville Way came up. And their little uh, the boy, Ricky, I don't know if he's still around and coon hunting and all. Do you remember Ricky? Yeah, but I, I don't know. I don't know if even he's still alive now or not. Uh, yeah, true. well, I haven't heard anything from those guys at all. But I remember him winning the first uh, hunt that we had. You know, took him out there to what we call the old Charleston coal tip Ohala there yeah. between from Piney View and Mount Hope out there, and and they managed to trick him out there. That was a miracle in itself, right? <laughs> right there back then we had very few coons you know that oh yeah very very few well yeah. uh so let's uh, let's just explain just a little bit more about this phenomenal dog that that has shown up on so many pe uh, pedigrees let's un unsnap the snap on on uh tack and tell me just about like how he's going to go hunting what he's going to do uh, uh he to get a coon tree when you unsnapped the lead on tack, he went hunting. You never, you never got him back till he was treed. He'd mm -hmm. go hunting, and it, it, he took what he had first. He took mm -hmm. his uh, whatever track. It didn't matter. He could run it cold. He could run it hot. And if dogs run off, game off, they was badly beat. Mm -hmm. And if uh, the dogs that blowed through the country getting their tree mong get treed, he'd treat two before you get to them. He was yeah. just, he was that kind of dog. He yeah, was, he was. One of the better ones. And he reproduced several good dogs. Yeah, he did. And we want to talk about that, too. You already kind of touched on some of the major things he won, which was really significant for a plot dog in that day, you know, because, yeah. uh, and especially coming out of the country that he came out of, because, as you said, we didn't have coons, <laughs> really. I mean, my dad would tell me if I was down on Camp Creek, uh, trout fishing or something if you see a coon track in the sandbar there you rub it out with your foot you know and we'll go back and see if maybe we can tree it you know we, <laughs> when they found a coon track back in steve at coon he was one of the most wanted like the fbi <laughs> every coon hunter in the state was after that boy till they got him <laughs> <laughs> oh boy that's right that's for sure and you had to be careful and you always were you always played things pretty close to the vest you didn't just take anybody hunt along hunting with you into your spots did you no i i found out that you can teach a dog more wrong by hunting with a bunch of dogs than you can help him now i know you got to train the dog to hunt with dogs if you're going to hunt him in the hunts but you can you can take these dogs with a uh, line them up and that babbling dog babbles every time you drop them pretty soon yours is going to start babbling with her. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I kind of isolated mine. I know the dog that I was putting mine with before I hunted with it. And I never wanted to hunt with a dog. It was a uh, face barker on a tree or mean on a tree. 
Because uh, dogs pick up on other dogs' actions and things like that, I believe. You know. Oh yeah, for sure they do. And and it's, it sounds like you've been listening in to the phone conversations that my buddy Mark Miller down there in uh, North Carolina and I've been having about this young dog that we've got. You know, and we were contemplating putting him in his first hunt uh, here uh, just recently, and he's only ten months old. And, uh, you know, just that thing came up, you know, and, and Mark says, well, I'll see what, what we got for an entry and what the dogs are like and so forth, you know, before I put him in there. And, I would too. It, yeah. It can affect him. Yeah, yes, for, for sure. And, uh, well, to move on along, of course, uh, all right, you started uh, breeding tack some. I know, and uh, I don't think you really campaigned him hard or anything like that, but you did breed uh, quite a few females to him, didn't you? We did. Uh, we bred several, and but now he was uh, he was past five years old before we ever bred him. All right, and the time you find out, uh, two years after that, time you find out a dog is a real reproducer, then, you know, you got a small window to get dog pups out of them, you know. We waited, uh, of course, I wasn't no breeder and just in young in the plot breed, but if I knowed what I knowed now, uh, man, I'd have collected him and tacked two, you know, but uh, just didn't know it back then. Well, that's right. We didn't. And I know, you know, I had a favorite or two down through the years that I wished I had collected and I didn't, you know, and, uh, oh, yeah. and, and now you can't, you really can't, uh, we discuss that too with this young dog, you know, if he continues to go the way he is now, you know, he could go any direction at that age, but, uh, right now he's really pleasing us. Well, we, we've already thought about it. would be wise to collect him while he's young. If he does, you know, finish on out to a, to a nice dog. I'd I would collect him, Steve, before you, before you ever breed him. I would collect him. Uh, you know what I mean. I'd keep him early because yeah. I think the best dogs come from your younger dogs. And you know he's seeming strong now. And 10 years from now, you'll have this young semen there, you know. I'd do it mm -hmm. today if I really liked him. And if he pans out, he ain't no good and don't reproduce, you don't have to keep it forever. Well, that's you true. Throw it out of the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good advice, John. Very good advice. And uh, I know the people that listen. We have a lot of younger hunters and a lot of new hunters that listen to the podcast. And and because I, I get their questions, you know, they send them in Messenger or, or text messages or sometimes an email. And I know they appreciate this kind of advice and information from, from uh, veteran hunters like yourself. Um, yes, sir. We need to pass it on to them. Well, we do for sure. Okay, so we've kind of talked a little bit about Tac Two. Uh, tell right. me what he was out of, and and what was his story? Well, Tac Two, he was son of Tac, first dog, first pup born to Tac. Les Boland had traded up an old Jeep Tar Heel Ginger from a man named Harold Stanley, and uh, we bred we bred her. And uh, got those pups, and uh, Bowling and I was like two two twelve year old boys waiting on them in a the field watching her have them. And the first one that came out was Tack Two, all brindle. And I said, "That's my pick. I want that pup." He said, "How you know you want that one?" I said, "That's good enough for me, right there." And that was the firstborn pup I raised out of him, and I kept him, and uh, we done real well. But uh, the the lighter colored 
all rental streets that Tac Two had. That really came from what Liz had traded up, uh, the Tar Heel Ginger Dog, and uh, she had a, a great mouth, and he did too. But that was he his generation. That's where he come from. But uh, he made a wild hunting dog. He wasn't the earliest starting dog I ever owned. Uh, you know, John, I'll jump in there right quick. I remember one time hunting with you when he was pretty young, and, and you had Black Joe, too, and we'll talk yeah. about him. But, but they typical of a lot of pups. They weren't showing a lot of hunt that night. They were just kind no, of, you they, know, glad to uh, be there, you know. Right, right. Uh, well, seems like uh, some of those dogs out of tech did start. They did start late. Uh, some uh, – Shelby Ballard had bred, and uh, they started late. But when they started, the next night you'd catch coons from them. Mm -hmm. I mean, you want to yeah. shoot it one night, and the next night it's catching coons. I, you know, I can't explain that, but uh, just yeah. call it a later starting dog. That's all you can say. Why, well, yeah. But uh, when Tac 2 did start, he started. The first coon he treed off by himself, from then on, it was uphill, buddy. He he done good. He, he made dual grand, and... Uh, He's off the sex winner at plot days one year. I, I lost it by 25 points, but the dog at one plot days was a female out attack uh, owned by Ronald Hayworth, Hayworth Penny. Oh, that yeah. beat me out. So uh, she had high, you know, she won Isaiah and I won off the sex. But now he went on, Tactu went on to do good in big hunts. He's, uh, I believe he's 82 and 83, Autumn Oaks, Grand National Grand Night Champion plot dog. High scoring dog on his cast and all done real good. He he qualified for uh, AKC World Hunt at Grand America. And he qualified for the UKC World Hunt. I never did take him, but he was he was a he's a super nice dog too. He was just an awesome looking dog too. Oh yeah, I mean, big proud dog. dog, big blocky head, just beautiful color, kind of a golden brindle color. I mean, he was if you. You know, if you sit down and wanted to draw up a stud dog, <laughs> man, <laughs> he 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 was it. I mean, he he really yeah, he 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 was he was a good looking hound, cat footed. He paid he throwed good looking pups too, and he throwed good dogs too. Yeah, he throwed good dogs. Now but, he uh, was a little. Uh, you mentioned old Tack hunting wide, but I think Tack two hunted a little wider than than his daddy, didn't he? Or did I he? don't know if he hunted wider or wanted to get by himself more. Uh, he would. Uh, he wanted to be by himself. I mean, he you turn them loose, and if they was running, sometimes, uh, man, one why he ain't running with that thing. And they'd get treed, and then all at once, before you could even get to their tree, he'd be to the right of them a quarter mile, just turn a tree down. You know, I mean, he mm -hmm. he loved by himself. He did yeah. that. Yeah, he'd, he'd run was, with them, but no. yeah, he'd run by himself. He was a little tighter on track than old Tack was. Yeah, right? he was a lot tighter. Uh, mm -hmm. We'd uh, sometimes they'd say, "Buddy, that dog still mouth," and when he get treed, sometimes I'd strike and treat him. Mm -hmm. He'd be in there real deep. He would just get struck yeah. and treat. Yeah. They'd say that dog still mouth. It's nobody at the layup coon. Your dog just can't smell it, or they'd be barking, wouldn't they? <laughs> so I'd drop that on them. They wouldn't know what to say on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that that's right. Well, he he was, and of course, to be national Grand Knight champion, plotted automotes was quite an honor because I'm sure he wasn't the only one there. You know, uh, no, he wasn't the only one there, and he's cast winner. He wasn't just you know used to be if you come in behind a good Walker dog with 200 plus, you got the plot trophy. You know, yeah, he and I guess then it was a high scoring plot dog, but 
the wind you cast, a big hunt like that, and, and get you breed wind, you, you've got a pretty decent hound. That goes for today and then, you know. Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, uh, well, you know, there's an old saying, and you may be in the one that I first heard it, but the deader the better. But those dogs were absolutely good dogs that were capable. I, I bet you'd like to have either one of them back, would you? Oh, I'd. Yeah, kind of give him a wisdom tooth. I ain't old enough to cut him yet, but sure give one of them for one of them. <laughs> I bet you. Well, okay, and uh, I know that you bred tattoo. Uh, I know that my dad bred a female uh, yeah, to we, tattoo, and boy, that was a shame. The puppy that we had, that my boy had out of that, uh, was really a dandy. Oh man, and he got killed on the road, got out of the pen yeah. and got smacked on the interstate. And that was I think that's what broke my boy Coon hunting, I'll be honest with you. He'd gone to plot days that year there in in uh, in Michigan up and and had had a ball all weekend and won a little trophy in the kids' bench show with that pup. So he was all about it then, but that, that took the wind out of his sails for sure. It will. It'll set you back. I've been set back so many times like that. But now I had I had a pup out of that cross, and uh, it was a female dog. Mm-hmm. She started to beat the band running and treeing to beat the band, and I had several good dogs. Well, Gary Holt, a friend of mine in the list, mm-hmm. He didn't have nothing to hunt. So Gary was hunting that female. And I mean, she was tearing up the world. I mean, running, treeing to beat the band. And uh, Gary wanted to buy her. And I said, man, I can't sell that dog. I'm going to use that dog in my breeding program. And uh, Gary was uh, road hunting. And he ran over that pup and killed it too at Mm -mm. a young age. So, you know, what the rest of them done or when, I don't know. But mine and yours both would have made something if we'd got to keep them. Yeah, that uh, female that you, that uh, dad bred to tattoo, we called her Fancy too. And she was Uh out of old Bear Pen Fancy, who was in the Hall of Fame. and uh, tree and machine, I remember. And Bronco, the dog that that I was kind of my all-time favorite, you know. And And Bronco was, to my opinion... The gamiest hound I've ever been in the woods with. I've only won on one dog, and that was the Black Joe dog off of Tackett. was nearly that gamey. But Bronco, when you put him down a holler, something in that holler had had a bad day. Bronco's <laughs> going to take it out of there, run it, tree it, or whatever, but he's going to do something. Yeah, I enjoyed one. the dog. I think you and Boland and Dad treat a bobcat one night. We did. With... We treat a bobcat. <laughs> Tell we them was that story. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we was hunting in a place, a little uh, hunting town called, well, Talcott's where it was, and we turned in a corn patch and stuff, and the dogs went on in there deep. They got struck, and they was running. Old Bronco, he got treed, home and treed him, and ours fell in, treed with him, and we go to the tree, and by land, there's a big bobcat up a tree. And Bowling and I, we were diehard Break dogs, coon hunting the night hunts, and they, everything's trashed at a raccoon. So we started, we started whooping on there. Hold it, boys. Home and said, Hold it, boys. And I'm going to tell you right now, if y'all hunt plot dogs, plot dogs do things like this. You can't <laughs> correct them. They're going to do it anyway. I mean, he was a teacher of all, home was. But we had a good time. And all three of those dogs ended up in the Hall of Fame. So that wasn't a, that wasn't a bad group of dogs. That was not a bad group at all. It was not for sure. I'd I'd be 
very happy to have any one of them myself. Oh, uh, Lord, now, yeah. The Duchess yeah. dog, the Duchess dog, the bowling head. If I was to rate her right now, she's the one of the top three females I ever been in the woods with. She was, a, she was what Homer would say, a dandy. She was, <laughs> she was to me, his best dog he's ever owned. Yeah, now, old Dutch was, uh, she was kind of an outlaw of, uh, of sorts. Oh, know, yeah. But, but she she could get that country and she could win that cast on you, too. <laughs> I, yes, I speak was. from experience. Yeah. Well, she hunted good, treed hard, nice hound. Nice dog. Well, you bet, and and there was a lot of uh, good dogs around there. You know, uh, you men- mentioned Carlos Howerton. He he had some good dogs. And uh, oh yeah, he he never did get into it real big, and he got out fast. Ron Hayworth, Hayworth he had yeah. there for a while. Hayworth, yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. He had Penny and a dog he called Tiger. He was off uh, attack too, and all. But he had a couple of nice spot dogs. Yeah, too. yeah. Well, plots were kind of, and I think you had a lot to do with that, John, uh, you know, with your success with TAC and, and TAC 2 and so forth. There was a lot of plot dogs in our part of the country. Uh, I think, didn't Tobe Bauer and, and Ronnie and them, didn't they have a plot at one time? Yeah, they had, uh, Tobe had an old dog, uh, I forgot what his name was, but anyway, he, he had a, and he came from uh, Berlin's place, uh, his good dog did. He came from Burling King's place, and uh, and then he bought a. Well, I give it to him. I give him a little female off attack too. And boy, she was the prettiest thing you ever laid your eyes on. I think you seen her one time. She's a real, yeah, yeah, yeah. real like tack too. Mm-hmm. And she was oh, doing yeah. good, but she got killed too. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, they just don't live long enough, and especially the good ones don't, do they? No, no. But from these tack dogs, I've tried to keep close as I could. I think I've had, well, I know I've had 10 grand, or mostly night champions, but uh, five or six of them was dual grand out of tack line. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Well, another good hound that you had there, and I believe you sold him to Larry Everson out in Indiana, was the Sturgill's Black Joe dog. Yeah, Black Joe was, Black Joe was a, a, he was a nice dog. He hunted in a circle, busy, fast, wide open kind of dog. He, uh. If I had to fault him, he was a, a ball mouth tree dog and uh cold nose, good disposition, not mean. But when people would come uh, to breed or look at dogs, they wouldn't even look at him on account of tack and tack too. I right. mean he was just kindly uh yeah. in a pen in a pen of what they come to look at, you know. Right, right. That that happens, but he was yeah. a, he was a real nice dog. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember him well, and I think Larry had some success with him out there and liked him and and all, and that that's all that matters. Well, let's talk about Tack 3 then. Well, he was uh, he was kind of in the same league Black Joe was there. He he was uh, he was uh, the third generation off of Tack, but uh, there you, you got Tack and Tack 2 with their titles and everything they've done. Uh, you know, they didn't come to breed the Tack 3. They come to breed one of the other two. But now he he did win plot days. He's Isaiah Kid winner. Uh, but I didn't hunt him in a whole lot of night hunts, you know. But he uh, he was a real good dog. He was the lesser of the other two, but he was still a real fine dog. Yeah. Now he was actually uh, your uncle Dean's dog, wasn't he? Or was no? He uh, no? Uh, he was Freeman's. 
Oh, okay. Dean didn't hardly claim hardly no dogs. Uh, he just hunted what we had. Yeah. He you just know, liked he, to uh, hunt, didn't he? He loved to hunt, uh, but he'd rather for you to feed it and take him hunting. <laughs> <laughs> he'd go with you, you know what uh, I mean? But he'd oh, rather yeah. for you to feed it and vaccinate it. <laughs> gotcha. But now he was, uh, Tech 3 was a real nice dog. A lot of people liked him better. He opened good on the ground. And, uh, but now he didn't hunt as far as wide as neither one of the other two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he was a little bit better. Well, then I had, uh, he was off of Tack 2, and then Tack 2 throwed me one named Taxi. She was, oh, uh, she was yeah. A brand. That was now, she was out of the dog from down in North Carolina, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah, she yeah. was. Uh, Grand Night. She Champions came out of a dog named Stuart Bullet. Uh, mm-hmm. Her mother did. Yeah. And uh, Max that's Stewart. where I got in on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Max Stewart's bullet dog sired uh, Taxi's mom. Uh, Cricket was her name. Right. She was Dole Grand, Grand Show, Grand Night. We had her up here hunting for a while. She was a fantastic little dog. She was a real nice dog. Well, you know, that was quite an impressive cross back then to to bring oh, two yeah, dual grands, you know. Yes. Yeah, but just the fact that you got, you know, in the plot breed, because, you know, listeners should know, and I know they realize this, the plot has always been the fewest in number in the UKC registry, even yes. fewer plots registered than red bones. And, uh, you know, so, uh, it, you know, dual grands were not a dime a dozen in the plot breed, and... Uh, there's a few things that come into play there. You know, plot people basically breed to what's in the backyard. Uh, right. And they, you know, and they don't get out uh, to to town with their dogs the way the Walker people do and some of the others. But uh, to have two uh, a litter there of dual grands, uh, I mean, out of two uh, dual grand champion dogs was, was pretty impressive. Yeah. Now, Randy Lester had a sister to her, uh, Sandy. She was dual grand. I think Larry ended up buying her off of, off of Randy. But uh, And then there was another one, uh, a night champion out of it. But I hunted with about five out of that litter, and every one of them running tree to beat the band. I mean, it was it was probably Tack 2's best cross, to be honest with you. Yeah. And that's, the one that, that's what Taxi was out of. Yeah, that's yeah. what she was. And the best one I had, the, the stud feed pup I got, I called him Rambo. Uh, mm-hmm. He was a, a dark brindle like tack, no white on him whatsoever. He started super young, running, treed. I've never heard a hard tree dog to this day. And I lost him at uh, what they call Monco Lake. Mm-hmm. He, he started running deer after he got trained on training on coons. He ran a deer off. We was camping up there. And I said, well, he'll be back. He, I've never seen him in this day. So he was he was probably my greatest loss of every pup I liked that I lost. And those were the days with no tracking collars, no telemetry Oh, we didn't have tracking collars. Right. It was gasoline hit the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it was a different time back then. And to have a wide hunting dog, you know, a dog that uh, – I won't say they were running coons, but many a time we turned in the head of uh, – going down Mill Branch there toward the head of Camp Creek and the, them young dogs, that old Sam, would strike them deer and we'd have to go down to the park, down to Camp Creek Park oh, yeah. to get them. <laughs> and I know yeah. people holler their plot dogs are stone broke. They may be, but every one of them I've had stone broke, born natural stone broke. They're kind of a little bit lazier than these wide open dogs. They don't hunt as far. 
they don't put out as hard. But you take it to me. I've, the plot dogs I've had to break made my better dogs. That's my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Well, I've always had to break them, uh, but they were easy broke. Right. Uh, they pursued. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, you know, looking back at my years in Michigan when I had all those coons, of course, that that's part of the story right there and the easily breaking a hound is having coons to tree with him, you know. Oh, but, yeah. But it seemed to me like the ones that wanted to, to, to be a little junky, you know, when they were young, just take about one or two times with that electric, electronic trainer, you know, oh, set yeah. them up a little bit. And know for sure what they were doing, and 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 give them that phone call, you know, <laughs> and and they seem to catch on pretty quick, you know, and that's yeah, what that I always kind of liked about them. Me, me too, buddy. You, if it's got it in it, you can get, you can break it out of it too. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, yeah, okay. So, tell me about your dogs down from I like. Like you mentioned earlier, you're still hunting and hunting hard, obviously. How many nights will yeah. you go a week now? Of course, I know it's summer. Oh, I'd, uh, I worked six days a week, but I hunted seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes when I went to work, I hadn't had a whole lot of sleep. Mm. And, uh, I was probably more hateful at work than I was in the woods. <laughs> that, well, it's a good thing you was welding instead of playing that electricity so much. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I've, I've had several good ones, and a little dog I, I bred uh, taxi to sizzling heat one time, and uh, I kept a little female, I called her Mary Jane. I made her, uh, she's grand show, night champion, but now I was working out of town then, I had driving about 80 miles of work, and uh, I didn't get to hunt her in a night hunt, so I had four wins on her, and she'd have been dual grand. And also, uh, I picked up a dog uh, out of uh, Sarge called Bo. I made yeah. him a night champion. Yeah. Well, the ambition to me was to finish both those two dogs, the grand, and it would have been all grand litter on both those two dogs. The pups would have been all grand, but I never did get to finish neither one of them. I sold, uh, sold Bo, and Mary Jane finally died off. But uh, I've had my share of pretty good ones. Well, you know, that, uh, that's that been a, a, a an issue with the plot breed, too, is to find the dogs, you know, to produce an all-grand litter. I, You know, to me, I think that's something good to, to talk about. Uh, you know, it, it and it definitely indicates that the dogs on the pedigree were coon dogs, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yes, but, sir. you know, I, I often joked with this uh, horse dog that I had. He was out of uh, the Clyde dog that Les Bolin had. And if if uh, Hoss had a made grand night champion and his his mother was a night champion, they he could have sired an all grand litter, but and that's ifs and buts, but he just about had to breed his litter mate because I couldn't find, oh, you yeah. know, there wouldn't Hell. have been another one around, you know. So it hasn't been that the plot breed has has really focused in on that. But man, that would have been awesome if you could have got that all grand litter. Yeah, it'd been it'd been an all grand pedigree yeah. like that. But Pretty I've hunted good. other other stocks of plots. It ain't just been but I've tried to like uh put some tack dogs in it, you know? Or or come out of tack dogs. Like the bow dog, he had 
attack was his grandsire out of Queen Star. It's renamed Death Keeping Him, you know. Yeah, now I mean, Star was out Everything of... I've Charlie shortened is Queen. Right, correct. Uh, mm-hmm. Like that. So everything I've had, I mean, I'm not colorblind or I put a win on Sarge and Heath. You know, a lot of people wouldn't put one on Tac 3 because it's out of Stargirl's Tac 3. I ain't going to hunt that now. You know what I mean? But that's just yeah. them, not me. You show me a good one. I don't care what his name is. I'll hunt him. Well, you know, I think that's that is detrimental to anybody's bro- breeding program to be kennel blind. You know, hey, amen. And, to that. and you know, I loved Everett Weems. I loved him. He was a dear, dear friend, and we got some good dogs from Everett. But Everett, you know, what was in his kennel was what was best. He could yeah. sell you the litter mate to that dog. But his was better. You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Everett. I've talked. You know, I spent many nights in the woods with Everett, and and he's one of the greatest plot breeders that ever lived, I believe. But yes, he, was. he was like that, you know. And I think if we do that, we get colorblind or kennel blind. I guess is the word I want. Is you know, we're only kidding ourselves. There's. Something better out there. You know, we need to get some of it, or I do anyway. If it's better than mine, I want part of it. Or well, it's good, I'll get mix it in with mine, you know? That's, yeah. that's, like they say, better to better, you know? Well, it's just like in my personal experience with these bear pen dogs. My dad was a bear hunter. He bred for right. bear hunting. He, di- he didn't even raise a litter, usually until the dog was old. You know, because he wouldn't take them out of, keep them out of the woods long enough to breed them. But I was sorry that I let that bear pen line of dogs slip away due to my work and, and circumstances, personal life, everything else. I just couldn't keep it, you know, keep uh, breeding those dogs. And so, you know, when I got the opportunity to get a dog from Kevin Lundholm up there, uh, that had a lot of good dogs in his pedigree, I took the opportunity, and that's where I got the old hoss dog, and I liked that dog. I really had a he's, lot of good years. He was out. smart. He was yeah. smart. <laughs> yeah, he was. He's he's the smartest hound I ever followed. And then, yeah, he was super smart. So now, you know, Bill Sheniger ended up with a daughter out of him, and unfortunately she had some health issues that we didn't know about, but we were able to breed her to that uh, uh, Lazarus dog is, and that's where this young dog I've got now is. And, and, you know, he's all across the board with his breeding, but there's a lot of good dogs on that pedigree, you know, a, oh, lot, yeah. a lot of good dogs. And in his case, it's seeming like it's going to work, you know. But It'll work. But, but, uh, It'll work. You hunt them and they'll work. Well, I want to talk about some other dogs that you've had uh Recently, well, fairly recently and all, and one of them I got to hunt with one night, I think uh, you and me and Les went out on a little AKC hunt one night and all, but you had the female named Duchess. Where'd she come I from did. and what, tell us about her. Well, little, uh, we called her Duchess. Uh, she was, uh, she was in a pen of plot days and uh, I was looking at the male dogs. He was double tack bred way back there and, uh, this little jeep kept coming up to me and just screaming, standing on that cage. And I kept pushing away, looking at those bells, and she kept doing that. And I said, well, I'll just take this thing. <laughs> and it was little Dutch. So uh brought her home. And she was, uh, what was she? 
She may have been seven months old, never had a collar on her, never been led, never had a collar, bowling knife, bowling said, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go kill a coon tonight. So I'll go, I'm gonna take his pup. So we go out and and uh, he runs and they run and tree a coon, the old dogs do, and I got her there under the tree and I took that coon, drug it down through the woods, put it up a bush. She uh ran it and treated it, sat there and treated. Well good. Next Saturday went, we went, sat next Saturday night. Have a name taken collar on her end, done had her leading. So we turn them up a little branch and uh, the old dog struck. They're running up a creek. She strikes right in there behind them, running like a field trial beagle. They run up through there and they get three. <laughs> she hits the brush. I'm trying to catch her to put her on the tree. I can't catch her. I go back to bone. I said, let her go all at once. She pulls up in a little old white oak tree in a field light. She trees, screaming up a tree. We go in there last night and said, Look at her. She's got a little kitten's tree. The first time in the woods, she created a coon. And from then on, it was uphill every day, buddy. Done good. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and she uh, she did quite a bit of winning, did she? I know she really looked good uh, at in a, in the AKC hunts there when I was with AKC. What did you win yes. with her? Well, first off, UKC, I made her grand show, grand night, and uh, – well, a little bit of the story here. When when she come, my wife was really getting sick. I had to put a lot of time in with my wife. But UKC, and I took her to the Grand National. I took her to Autumn Oaks. She won a high-scoring, well, third high-scoring dog with the whole hunt. And she won the Grand National Grand Night Champion Autumn Oaks through UKC. And then you went to AKC. And I said, well, I'm going to follow my old buddy. So I registered her up to AKC, and she made night champion. Well, she made uh, show champion, super show champion, far as she could go, and then she went on and made uh, uh, night champion, grand night champion on, and then uh, put her in the national hunt. She won the grand national AKC plot dog, and then uh, world hunt come up, put her in that. She won top 16 of that, and I should have I should have won that hunt, to tell you the truth. She, uh, she got a raw break on a tree, but uh, yeah, I remember, less. I remember that. That was down at Orangeburg. Yeah, she uh, everywhere I took her, it didn't matter. Uh, she she shined. I I liked her. I probably won more with her than I had her attack dog on. And, and what was her breeding, uh, John? It it was uh, Red River Gypsy was her mother, and it was just those old Red River dogs. Uh, they had fought these up there one time where Red River runs through, and I didn't even know where Red River was. <laughs> But anyway, uh, she was a phenomenal dog, won a lot, but I was like Holman. I'd rather hunt her as a breeder. She had five puppies and one of those died, and that's all the puppies that she, she ever raised. And uh, Jack's a grand, my dual grand Jack dog now, he's off of uh, a daughter off of Duchess. That's the uh, last of her I've got. But now I bred Jack into the mud dog from Tennessee, Mike Shirk dog, which is heavy tack bred. And that's what I'm carrying right now, the dogs I've got now kind of generated from that. But uh, okay. Dutch was, uh, Dutch was super nice. Yeah, super she, nice she was from all indications. Uh, and um, what a one, uh, explain to me how she operated. She, by herself, you wouldn't want her. She didn't hunt wide enough, but you line her up with three walker dogs and you could see that switch turn on. She'd get the quiver. And when you release that beast, nothing could get in front of her. And I never had one of them to tree in front of her. 
even on the night hunts in the in the world hunt. She'd pull a tree out from under those big long legged walker dogs. Every time. She was she was super competition dog. Super competition. Yeah, some of them are just tree. born for that, you know? They just seem like I that guess too. she'd split tree and have a coon every time. She treat split more than any dog ever owned. Mm-hmm. It'd be hard for me not to get her back if I could pick one of them, just to be honest with you. Well, uh, how long did she live? How old was she? Uh she died she died about seven and a half years old. Ooh, that's early. Yeah. Yeah, she died a little early. Yeah. I think she I think she developed uh, a little heart trouble and uh, mm. she had Lyme's disease once, but now uh, man, she's a super good dog. Yeah, she was I what? wished I'd have bred her more. Was she a ball or chop mouth dog on track? Uh she's chop mouth. She had a, a diehard good locate. Yeah. Polar, mm-hmm. She had a real locate. Well, I she remember just dog. from that one little hunt we took, I think it was just an hour hunt or whatever. She was a good tree dog. Yeah, but now when you went, we was we was in the correcting program, me and her. Uh, she started right? sliding in there and backing them dogs on slick tree. Uh, I, I worked on her. Uh, I, I didn't. I don't like that. But now uh, <laughs> we come together, and yeah. uh, at the end, at the end, we was really united, her and I. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what happens when uh, when a good dog man's got a good dog. They kind of get together somewhere along the way there. All right, so yeah. she produced the Jack dog. Now, do you yeah. still have Jack? Yeah, Jack's alive, but now Jack's nine, and Jack's Jack's been a real reproducer. But I couldn't, I never advertised him on account of my wife's health. And when I breed a dog, I want to go hunt with that dog I'm breeding to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unless yeah. Uh, unless he's just a stone down reproducer, throwing everything good, then you then you don't have to hunt with it because you're breeding for his ability to reproduce. But I like to hunt with a dog I'm going to breed to. Yeah. Well, the Jack dog, now, he's a grand knight, isn't he? He's dual grand. Uh, I've hunted him at Plot Base three times on Thursday night, and I've placed him all three times. He qualified for the world hunt. Uh, And be honest with you, Jack is the best I've ever owned to catch a coon with. I mean, you can put him in a short, small patch of woods, uh, he's like a squirrel dog. He, he, I believe he checks every tree in that woods, and he'll tree every coon that's in there too. He's a real, real yeah. coon dog. Real coon I dog. Gotcha. Well, to the listeners that have been with us now almost an hour, John, if you can believe that. You, you and when see, I talk to a friend, I have no time. That's right. Well, I feel the same way, buddy. And we're not done yet. But you know, if. if People that have been listening to the, to our conversation today have to see the thread that's going through this. I mean, dog after dog that has finished out in the Grand Night Champion in a breed that it has never been overly blessed with Grand Night Champion dogs. Uh, dogs that have been successful in competition, dogs from different lines of dogs and everything else. There's a common thread that runs all through that to me and something that I learned way back in those days in West Virginia is that you're one heck of a dog man, John. You understand dogs. You know how to get the best out of them. What, what kind of, What's your philosophy about that? Well, my philosophy is these, these plot dogs, they come and they have one thing that they like to do better, their self. It may not be tree and a coon. 
It may not be running a bear. And their, their goal in life might be to be a hog. And if, they, if that dog don't have what you want in it, you just must let somebody else have it. You can't never get what you want. Uh, some dogs prefer a bear over a coon. Some dogs are afraid to death of a bear to love a coon. you got to get that dog. It's on the same level as you're on, pursuing the same game you want. Then you can train that dog and get the best of his ability out of him. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Now, when about how early do you start your pups? Well, there's a window on a dog, and there's a, a and some flock dogs start super early. Some do, some flock dogs don't start till they're ten months old or even a year. But I like those that start from five to seven. That you know mm-hmm. you sight stuff. They can see and they get excited and then they start treeing. Then you start working with them. You know on mm-hmm. what game you want. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But uh, the night hunt dogs, uh, I, the dog I really like now hunting in my country, you can't hunt. I like to pull up, put him off the tailgate of a truck, send him in there, don't move till he gets treated, and then go get him. That's John Sturgill's type of dog. I got you. Well, I understand that. And, and you know, we didn't grow up hunting that way. You know, we turned a dog up a hollow and we set out walking. And, right. and hoped we could hear that dog before he topped out somewhere, you know. But well, uh, back in you had to walk, you had to hunt a coon, and the man sometimes was smarter than the dog hunting it. You know, we know what coons is eating when things is in. That's yeah. another key to it. Where's the coon at? What's he eating this time of year? You know, that's and then you put your dog in that area. There's a lot to it. That right there should be in the coon hunter's manual for every young hunter. They ought to have to take a course. And, and I'll, I, give them, I'll give them another one if you want me to. On absolutely. It'll help them in the night hunts. You young guys, if you, if you look at that tree, look at the moon first. Is that moon a banana or is that moon full? Notice your coon where you find him at on the full moon night versus when it's dark at night. There's a place in that tree that coon will be every time on that full moon night. And it'll be closer to the base of that tree. When you learn that, you know where to find the coon in your night hunts instead of flashing it everywhere. The moon will tell you where the coon is at. Have you ever heard that, Steve? I've, I have not really heard that put exactly that way, John. I know you that pay my attention dad, to it. You'll yeah. see it to be true. Well, my dad was always telling me, you know, they're hunting in the mountains that usually, you know, to find a coon in the tree, he'd be on the downhill side on the tree. My yep. dad believed that, that that coon would be. More Holman, times than not, you would find him on the downhill side. Holman told me that. Did he? <laughs> yes, sir. He believed that. He really did. And he wasn't a big fan of hunting the dogs on moonlight nights. He no. used to tell me when he'd go away to work, you know, he worked in uh, pipe fitting uh, on the High Valley, and he'd be gone all week, and he'd say, don't take my dogs out there. That moon's going to be full, and it's cold. <laughs> don't take them out there on them old moonlight nights. You're going to just get them run, running trash. You're not going to trick them. If you do yeah. get after one, you're not going to see it. <laughs> That's true. Now, now I'll tell you another one that I, I think, too. Your tighter mouth dogs like Tac 2, they'll treat more coons on a light night than your mouthy dogs. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, yeah. they slip up on them or whatever, but the less noise you make in the woods on a, on a light night, you'll treat more coons. Yeah. So there's there's good and bad, or that's my opinion, just my opinion, you know, 
but it's, it is mine. Well, I knew this conversation would bring up a lot of good stuff, and uh, it, it generates with me the thought about that. You know, when I went to Michigan and started hunting those wood dots, you know, we'd have a mile square uh, or maybe two miles square sometimes, and it was flat pretty much. If there was any low places, it would be a swampy place in there. But uh, those dogs would get into a woods, you know, and the guy said, well, we made too much racket in this woods. We need to get out of here and go to another woods. I uh, firmly believe in that. Yeah, and, and uh, of course, you know, if you had that dog that could find those coon laying up. And, and that's one thing the old Bronco dog became in Michigan as he got older. He got to be an ace at finding those layups, as the guy would say, the ones that were just up there sleeping, they said, you know. <laughs> but, but, uh, but no, you know, I, I agree with that. You know, you can't go in there making all kinds of – one thing we say about, uh, uh, you know, about uh, coon hunting uh, as a good gateway to young hunters is that they don't have to go out there and they don't have to sit still in the deer stand all day and freeze to death, or they don't have to be quiet on the creek bank. But uh, you know, but there are sometimes that a little bit of knowledge of those kind of things will improve your odds. You know, things like hunting your dogs into the wind in that flat country up in Michigan. You know, if it was a windy night, we always pointed them to into the wind. Two reasons. That's right. One, that they get the scent of the game that's in that woods better. And number two, you can hear them. The wind will carry the, their voices, you know. So there's a lot of little nuances like uh, of coon hunting that that you don't get, you know, just staying on a on a computer keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. There's several good dogs that I would have liked to have the pups out of, but I never, you know, did, never did have the opportunity to get them. But these – there's a, there's a few out there that I really would have liked to have a pup out of. Yeah. Do you want to mention any of them? Or? Well, I'll mention one, uh, Montana Scout. Uh, he was a he was phenomenal. He was a real hound dog. He would hunt fast, hard, but he'd put his nose into that wind and take off. It didn't matter where the wind was at. And uh, he ran a coon like a dog running a fox. I, I went up on pleasure hunting with him one time. He was a great dog. And yeah. I'd like to have a pup out of uh, Joe Boy. I never did get nothing, you know. I got out yeah. of heat and stuff like that, but I'd like to have one out of Joe Boy too. Well, you mentioned yeah. two dogs that I remember very well because I was involved with UKC, you know, just in the middle of it when those dogs uh, were at their peak. And of course, Greenville back, you know, up in Ohio, there had Montana Scout, and he made the cover of Coonhound Bloodlines one time. Oh yeah, really. Well, pretty I know him well. Picture, you know, and produced some good dogs and he was for sure a competition dog a wide hunting dog and oh, then yeah, uh, Kent, kansas joe boy uh jim cannon just recently passed away uh people yeah. will remember jim as him and his buddy spud reynolds as the only two guys to ever win the ukc world hunt with a plot dog and that was the sizzling heat dog that you mentioned earlier and right. uh yeah, the Kansas Joe Boy dog, which was the Syrah Heat, uh, was a dog that I like to see in my pedigrees. And I had an old yeah. dog named Wrangler that I won opposite sex at plot days with, and he was real heavily 
uh, Joe Boy bread. So, yeah, you mentioned some good ones there, John, for sure. Yeah, yeah. There, there's more, but that was two. That was two mm-hmm. of the, my favorite dogs that uh, I never did get nothing out of. I like to I like to have them in my pack right now. Their blood. Oh you know? yeah. Well, what are you breeding anything right now? You got uh, we got several bred up out of Jack. Uh, got some young dogs out of him here. I got uh, one I'm hunting out of. Teddy Morgan's female. Teddy, Teddy's got a real nice female. He bred a Jack. And they come in 50-50. Uh, they're coming. They either love a bear or they love a coon. <laughs> and the ones that love a coon don't want nothing to do with the bear. And the ones that run the bear don't want nothing to do with the coon. How about but, that? I mean, he's got two litters uh, or two times crossed. And uh, there's not a pup out of him that won't run the tree. I mean. Well, it's a real good cross. Well, you gave me an opportunity or mentioned it a while back, and I wish I could have stepped up and got that pup at that time, a pup out of Jack. And I, I believe it was out of, was it out of Scrubby Rogers female? Well, not Scrubby bred a female. Now, she is the, the female he bred is the sister to Logan. We bred her once. That whole litter's running trend. Well, 90% of them's doing great i think one or two of them may have got killed on the road or something but uh yeah. i got a female here out of her right now she runs and trees her own coon does good teddy uh teddy and his friends down there they got about three of them are using on bear and they're working real good so uh, that was another good cross but well now, right now jack's missed a couple females so he may be about done he's nine uh, i'd like to get another good one out of him anyway. oh yeah for sure for sure well that teddy sure is a nice fella and i, I usually when man. i see him anymore i see you i see him so i know he's got to yeah. be a pretty good fella if you guys are running together and he uh, hunts hard has great dogs he loves bear hunting and coon hunting but uh he cat hunts he's down right now he had a hip put in mm. uh, about eight days ago but now he, he's uh one of he knows more about a dog for him. Well, he's 50 and I call him, still call him a boy, <laughs> but he can get more out of a young dog than any man I ever hunted with. Uh, Isn't that something? But how, but how many people do you know throw a dog up on a, a bear rig eight weeks old and go to the grocery store and get a loaf of bread just to teach him to rig on top of the truck? <laughs> <laughs> he's dedicated, isn't he? He's dedicated. He, he starts from when, as soon as they're winged, they're in Teddy's training program i'll tell you that now <laughs> they still got the milk on their lips <laughs> yeah yeah he's got stages of his where he lives uh where he puts yeah. them in in the start training squirrels in his pen and when they get doing that good he puts them over in the goat pen to break them off the deer before they ever know what a deer is he's got a program going i tell you he's a thinking man isn't he oh yeah he's thinking yeah. a day ahead of him. real nice fella I enjoy meeting him. Well, you talk about a hip problem there with Teddy, and then you had two hips replaced. My dad had a hip replacement not too long before he passed away, and he used to tell me, he said, Steve, when I get tired, I get tired in my hips, and I didn't quite understand that. I do now. Yeah. <laughs> At my age, yeah. I understand real, real well yeah. what Dad was talking about. Thank goodness I haven't had to have anything replaced, but my good buddy Nubbin Moore, who's kind of my running partner, uh, you know, he's had two or three hip surgeries, and he actually had to have reconstructive surgery later, but uh, a little uh, recently, I should say. But um, we're we're trying to get him back in shape so we can go bear hunting. He's never Why killed a bear, him? and he'd like to kill one, so I'd like to see him kill one. So, but uh, if he'll do what they say. 
when they change that hip out and and don't give up, get up and use it. Yeah. Uh, a man is like a good coon hound. If that hound dog's got a heart, he'll tree a coon on three legs. And if a man wants to go coon hunting, he'll get up off that couch and go coon hunting. Well, that that's right, John, and that's the difference. The ones that kind of been that you're preaching to me right now because down here in this hot <laughs> weather in Florida, it's awful easy just sit in the air conditioning. You know, of course, I've said <laughs> laughingly down here, everything that's out there in the woods wants to eat me and my pup. You know, yeah. so <laughs> down here. Y'all can keep the alligators and the bad snakes down there, and I'll just stay up here in these these mountains and be happy. Yeah, well, I tell you what, the the coon hunting situation has kind of changed a little bit for you up there, hasn't it? I mean, as far oh, as the yeah. number of coons and all. Oh, we got coons. We've uh, a friend of mine, uh, Anthony Toller. We treated uh, we treated eight coons three Saturdays ago, and went back the same place. Two Saturdays ago, four plot days, and treat five. So we we've got coons now. We've got some coons. You want to send me the GPS coordinates on that the next time? I get... <laughs> you try, hey, my you days to make are storyteller. No, my days are running them hills back. Ancient history, buddy. But I used to could go, but uh, it's. Uh, uh, it's a different day and a different time. Like the old boy said, I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. Well, I, there that. was a time when I could do that and, and loved it. Well, loved hunting well, them old ridges and climbing up out of little blue stone and all that stuff. <laughs> but well, you gotta. It's just kind of a mental thing, Steve. When I get out of bed every day, I tell myself I'm 30 years old. Man, I'm getting old. I'm 30, and go out there and act mm, like I'm 30. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good to hear that you're going to be at Autumn Oaks, and I'm going to be able to catch up with you there, and I'm sure we'll have a lot more stories to tell. Uh, you got a good hunting story to tell me? Something that you remember <laughs> about one of these one of these hunts with these good plot dogs or something that sticks well, out I'll in your mind? Well, I'll tell you one on – I'll tell you a story on the Joe Boy dog. All I right. love Jimmy Cannon to death. I draw Joe Boy one time. We uh, – four dogs. I believe we was night champion cast. We turn them in there. The dogs strike. Every dog drives out of there. I mean, they're leaving their drive. Everybody struck up at me. Judge says, John, you, you're going to strike your dog. You know yourself, everyone in the dog left here driving that track. I said, Boy, my dog ain't blocked. He just looked at me, hit the ground a little bit. About that time it was tacked to, he struck oh, over, over to the right of us in there. And I said, that's my dog. You can strike him now. I struck him, and he got treed, and they stayed there, and we went and checked the tree and coon. So they go trying to find the, the – they had to leave to find the other dogs. I think he had an hour to get back. Jimmy Cannon jumps up on a truck with his uh, tracker, his beep, beep tracker. He said, here's what Jimmy says. Earth to Joe Boy. Earth to Joe Boy. <laughs> he couldn't, couldn't pick him up. Jimmy said, uh, I can't get mine back in there. And, uh, they, so they's gone. He finally got back to me. Well, needs to say that hunt went on anyway. I drawed him again. I drawed Joe Boy again. I had to attack three dogs. This time, I spectated Joe Boy. He set me on fire. I've never seen a dog work as good in my life. Uh, ran and treat coons. And, uh, I don't believe that night I could have had attack one, two, and three hunting to get him in touch. He, he just, uh, that's the reason I'd like to have a pup out of him. He just done a wonderful job that night. Cannon. 
was a true sportsman, one of the best hunters I ever hunted with. I really loved that guy. I did too, uh, John. You're going to choke me up here because I've had many, many good long conversations with uh, Jim. And, you know, it, it's really a shame. And I asked, uh, when I got started down the road at this podcasting thing, uh, my buddy Chris Powell there in in Indiana, and I started the Houndsman XP podcast, and we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't have the right equipment and all, and we did an interview with John, uh, with Jim Cannon at Plot Days at Tell City, and mm-hmm. it didn't turn out. We couldn't use it. And I just asked uh, Chris the other day, I said, you know, do, could we salvage any of that recording? And he said, no, Steve, it was, it was just a train wreck from – beginning to end but i sure wish i could have done that and uh you know and had that for people to uh listen to but i'll never forget that night 1988 in mount gilead ohio when jim cannon came in uh with old sizzling heat in first place in that final cast and and with a plot world champion of course everybody you know kind of they knew I loved plot dogs, so they were kind of slapping me on the back and, and helping me enjoy the moment. But And I had the same thing at PKC in 1999 when John Walkup and Buckeye Bud won uh, the PKC World Hunt with a plot dog, you know. So uh, plot people stick together. and uh, We stick together. You're right. Yeah. It's a great family uh, to be a part of if – if you're out there wondering about getting into a breed, you're going to find jealousy in the envy in all breeds, all associations. But I think you'll find a lot of people in the plot breed that will be willing to help you, you know, if, oh, the yeah. breed that, if that's a breed you want to want to take uh, as your own, you know. If you, want a, if you want a dog to be a lifetime loyal friend like you're, like you're married to him, get a plot. They, they got a bond with you that – it just um, you have to own one to feel that bond of a plot dog. Well, I think that's absolutely right. And the old horse dog that we mentioned traveled with me at my best guess about two hundred thousand miles. I oh, put yeah. uh, over two hundred sixty some thousand miles on that truck that I bought in twenty ten. And Hoss rode just about all of those miles <laughs> with me. And uh, we hunted in, in several states all over the country, made a lot of friends, had a lot of fun. And, oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm a little bit envious. My partner, Mark, has got this fever pup up there, and uh, he's getting to experience all that for himself. But I hope to be up that way hunting this fall, John. And if I do, I'm going to give you a holler. If do we, that. If we can get do to that. the woods, that'd be super. If not, we can at least have a cup of coffee or a glass of tea or something to talk about all the time. Oh, yeah. Be, be like Mr. Fielder. Get the old magazine. Get the book out and look at the old pictures. Something. We'll see. <laughs> we'll do something. That's right. For sure. You live in, in, of course, my favorite part of the world. That's where I was born and raised up until, you know, I went away to, to service into Michigan. But a lot of good people up there. And, folks, You've uh, been listening to John Sturgill, uh, plot man. I think if you cut him, he breeds brindle. But, John, it's been great to have you on the podcast today, buddy. Uh, is there anything that we sh- probably should have talked about that we didn't? No, we're good. I'm, I want to thank you for inviting me, and it's been a privilege talking with you again. 
Well, it always is good for me too, John. And you've been just right. a, just a great guest. So you get out there with them plot dogs tonight, and think about your old buddy down here in the sauna. Uh, I when promise you, I will enjoy. <laughs> okay, friends, that's uh, John Sturgill from Midway, West Virginia, with the Timberline Tack Line of Dogs, and he just keeps on going. He's the Energizer Bunny. For sure, and an inspiration to us all. I want to thank you for listening in. And if anybody asks you where's Steve Fielder, you just tell them why well, he's gone to the dogs. <laughs>